When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Sissoko finally waited. Ericsson, low, great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Moura. And belted into the net, brilliant goal. On debut, Tungay Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh, yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Welcome and good evening. Well, good morning, whenever you're listening. This is another new Spurs Order podcast. I'll be your host, expat, aka Owen. And yeah, we are off the back of another couple of games. I'll be joined tonight by, well, first up, top scout, Booker T. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. How's it going? Yeah, not bad, not bad. was uh, not long listening to your, um, not long ago listening to your Patreon piece you did with Tobes. Nice work on... The Romanian. Yeah, uh, hoping to see what happens um, uh, if we continue to drag our feet and see if we can actually get over the line. But touch wood, hopefully the work I did wasn't in vain. <laughs> it I would be like the there. whole manager appointment <laughs> thing all over again. <laughs> Something like that. And there in the background, you could also have probably heard Sting, a.k.a. Jack. How's it going? Yeah, yeah, not bad, not bad. Um, kind of got away with one tonight, but yeah, no. Otherwise, just personally, quite good. Is this your longest stint online without being cancelled? 
it is. I, I can't remember is. the last uh, time you got removed off Twitter. It's it's been a minute. I've been pretty low key in the past year, actually. Um, I put that down to my wife. Actually, she's told me to get out of the fire and light for a little bit, and you might find a bit of peace. And she was right. <laughs> can do square breathing techniques for five minutes at a time. <laughs> it's worth the difference. It's worth it. Yes, yeah, sir. And here you are blessing us with your presence. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. Obviously, just um, again, like I just alluded to off the back of um, a little Patreon piece that Tops and uh, Tobes did on uh, Drago Sin. So please check that out. It's uh, moderately, pli- uh, moderately priced. Um, can't speak. It's obviously late in the evening at the time of recording, but very nice listen. And um i'm thinking what game to cover first obviously we're just off the back of two different wins one uh being in the fa cup let's just talk about burnley as we've just learned for full time about like 10 minutes ago um yeah i think andrew's getting well the the pundits and uh, the journalists tried to cook him in the pre-match press conference um he came out swinging, and he came out swinging with the lineup tonight, didn't he, Jack? What did you think? Yeah, um, no, I think there's just a bit of. I think he's had his little honeymoon. Well, we and him have sort of had the little honeymoon period with the with the media in itself, and I think that sort of taking a bit of a turn, um, slow, very, very slowly. Um, but yeah, today. Um, yeah, I thought we, yeah, we started off with a bit of intensity, not too bad. Um, but then I think things just sort of slowed down later on in the game, the first half. I think, um, yeah, people like Richarlison definitely um, concern me, um, as as with many of our thoughts, to be honest. And I think we definitely are lacking in that department for sure. Um yeah, I just thought we we tend to start off games with a good intensity. And by the time the intensity gets to about 70 to 60%, I think there's a massive, massive downgrade because the quality is exposed within the side. So, yeah, I think we were pretty, um, pretty slow in that first half. And I think, I mean, it's quick in that first half and then slowed down and we just felt we failed to capitalise. So... There's some key concerns that I have, which I'm sure we'll get into later on. Yeah, I mean, for context, I know you say you're right about Richarlison. And yeah, a lot's been made of our missing players so far. And now we've obviously had to do without Son, who's just gone to the Asia Cup. And now uh, Papsar's gone. Uh, Basuma suspended anyway. He's gone. And now we've got to contend with um, having a really kind of makeshift-looking forward line. But... Um, as we'll get into in from the Bournemouth game, we do have Ben Tanker back, which is actually really refreshing considering that no one knew or had any idea he was going to be back and there were no leaks and it was very refreshing. Um, yeah, it seems like as well as the actual team itself, he's managed to kind of flush out the some of the ITKs, which would have been leaking certain things, which there was a lot of over the past two years. But yeah, we've got Ben Tanker in midfield. Brendan Johnson is starting on the left today with Kulizewski back out on the right so Lacelso could play 10. Um, chances were created in that initial spell, Tops, but how, what did you make generally just to summarise that first half? 
Um, it's a first half that's been very frequent this season, to be honest with you. Um, it's nothing that I haven't seen from us this season. Um, lots of intensity, lots of chances, lots of sustained pressure in the final third. Um, and lots of toothless attacking, in my opinion. Um, it's all very centrally based, like it always seems to be. We don't seem to use the wings as well as we need to. And to be fair, I think Burnley set up really well. I think they were very compact. Um, they gave us very little space in between in between the lines. Um, Le Chelsea was getting snapped at every time. And the only way we were actually getting through mm. was feeding the ball out to uh, Kulu or sometimes if we were able to break lines uh, through Bentenko. Skip offered us near on nothing on and off the ball. Um, and I thought it was a first half that really kind of mimicked a lot of what I've seen from us. Lots of intensity, lots of chances. If we don't score early, then it's looking very, very um, fishy as half as half as half time looms. Yeah, I mean, you sound a little bit downbeat there as well. But I was looking at first half like, okay, I don't mind how we're performing. I thought Brennan Johnson looked quite bright. Oh, I won't right. go further than that. <laughs> I won't go further. I won't. It's not. It's not about. It's not about. It's not about how I feel the the team wasn't bright. It's just lots of the things that I've been mentioning, lots of the things that I've been thinking, they're just... You feel vindicated, yeah? They're forever being... You said said that in the group chat, but I couldn't remember what you said it about. It's probably Brennan Johnson, wasn't it? No, 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 no. It's about... Oh, okay. It's about our tactics. <laughs> Just about... in general, okay, the way yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'll discuss it more later, but yeah, generally, it's about our tactics. Yeah, I mean, um, it. Yeah, I even said I think a couple of weeks ago, like uh, our wing backs are actually better wingers than our wingers. Facts. We still haven't got the one v one, even though Brennan Johnson did do that a couple of times. Got a nasty little shot off, which was well saved, and then Richarlison had two really guilt edge chances on his left foot. Um, had a lot of time as well. He was kind of moving a little bit like Darwin Nunes, where you can you see him one v one. He's actually showing really good movement to get in into these positions. We're finding him, and he's um, he, the first one didn't even he didn't even get on target, which was really disappointing. And then the other one was fairly well saved, but the shot wasn't. Uh, I think it was quite telegraphed and quite easy to read. So. Yeah, disappointing on that side from Charlton, who I think's improved in regard to his hold-up game. Um, following the Bournemouth game, which I thought it was okay, he's carried that on, still okay. The bar is quite low, but improvement is what it is. Um, but I wasn't worried going into half-time, and I was thinking as long as we managed to just keep on finding like if we just attack a little bit quicker obviously there was quite a few times where we just hesitated to shoot on the edge of the box and tried to feint to shoot do a little reverse pass which wasn't even on um yeah it, it didn't really uh sync up that well or as well as we would have liked but going into the second half um then Jack, like, what do you think we could have done better from the first half to have taken the lead a little bit quicker than we eventually did? Well, it's what you mentioned about sharpness and making that those decisions a lot quicker. I think, um, again, it's hard to do when you have forwards who instinctively don't have attributes or the ability to be that incisive. Um, and, and I think we do, especially when we start games, we do the right things in the first few phases. 
we you know we show that intensity. We win the ball in good areas of the pitch. Um, the legs are what get gets us in those good positions in itself. And then we have we obviously when you win those the ball in those positions, we have a lot more ample space to make those decisions into that final pass into that final third. It's just that decision making towards the end where players are, a don't have the in- natural instinct to make the right manoeuvres um, and B, these players that have time to think don't know what to do with it when they do think. So it's, you know, it is quite worrying when a player like Son isn't there uh, and mm-hmm. when you don't have that instinctive player um, of a high calibre, there's a big, big issue um, along that front line, which is causing us to make poor decisions in that final third, miss chances, think again with Richard what you mentioned about Richardson in that first half in particular with it wasn't the, with the one that he dragged wide it was that touch that just made it worse that touch that took it away from goal rather than towards goal mm. with his chest that was a again it was just it was just <laughs> it was not like a typical Brazilian footballer is it um so there's big big issues that I think um and again, we, we have to remember in build-up, we're not going to be as good with two full-backs playing a centre-back. Um, we're not going to, we're nowhere near the same team when Madison's not there. So I think we've got to caveat that with the fact that we've got these injuries, we've got these players missing. You know, we're never going to be the same Ange team that we are with the right profile players. Even Basuma and Saar, you know, I think they, you know, we know that they're going to be massive. We knew that earlier on in the season, they're going to be big, big, big misses. And we're seeing that and the evidence is there, you know, in the game tonight. So I think it's one of those things we probably will have to ride out until we get those players back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and just going into that second half for me as well, I've noticed uh, Lo Celso was the first one off. Um, do you think he was hooked? Or was he um, was he kind of protected? Maybe even got a knock in that first half after he yeah, was bundled uh, off the ball at least a dozen times. Yeah, I think it was a mixture of the two. Um, I think he probably got uh, you know we know that he's made of straw, so um, he probably got a few knocks that maybe made him feel like he wasn't ready to continue. Um, I also think maybe he's getting minutes because you know he's not been a regular starter and he's slowly being built up. Um, so I think 60 minutes here, 70 minutes there, is probably about right. I, again, I didn't think he played badly today. I think when he was playing, he was fairly well involved in first and second phase. Um, I think some mm. of the final balls um, probably weren't there. But um, no, I st- I st- I'm still like kind of happy with, with what he's doing. I I don't have any real like complaints. I still feel he's very secure technically um, he gets us up the pitch um, he brings people into play and he's, he's a creative player I've always said he's probably the he is the similar most profile in terms of his type of player um, to, to Madison so the fact that he's playing in the role he's playing and doing well like positively it's, I'm not I'm not particularly surprised by it but yeah I think maybe he's just been given a little bit of a um, a breather as he's sort of built up in terms of minutes um, and obviously once he uh once he came off, you know, we moved Kulu centrally. Brian Hill went to the left and then things looked a little bit different from a creative point of view. It looked more of a transition game from that point. Did that benefit us, do you think? 
Um, I think it's a funny one. Um, I think it did a little bit. Um, Brennan Johnson went on to the right, which he is more comfortable with. Um, I don't think Brian Hill played particularly well. Um, I felt mm, like no. he had a few moments and gave the ball away, and I think Seth similarly. Um, we did look a little bit more threatening when we had Ben Scala up there, which is actually a positive. Um, he looked a bit more secure keeping the ball. He looked a bit more secure as a threat in the final third and even almost had himself a chance. But um, do I think it suited us? Um, not particularly. I, I still don't think that we have like the players at the moment, especially the attackers, to support a properly, a properly good attacking transition. I feel that we're so possession heavy, especially in our build-up, centrally in our in our build-up, that we don't actually really know how to use our wingers correctly. Um, and I think that's probably where we're struggling. Kulu's a winger who doesn't really operate like a winger. Um, ben Johnson, in my opinion, is a blunt winger. Uh, Son is not a winger, but plays as a forward, and Richarlison is a forward who has played as a winger. Brian Hill is a baby of a winger like you know we have lots of these different profiles of players who are not really like clean effective decisive attackers that can play on the wing we're like we've got like a mishmash of them and that's probably what's annoying me the most about our attack it just feels very blunt it feels very toothless there isn't someone who i can be like okay this is really gonna you know affect the team um given the opportunity even if it's half an opportunity and i just feel that tonight there was lots of opportunities to do that against a team who were happy to sit in a low block against them. Yeah, I felt it was a particularly important game for Hill as well, who, like you say, he's a baby winger, but he's the closest in terms of profile you would ideally think could be an Andrew winger other than Perisic, who obviously is injured. And he came on against tired legs and... I felt like a lot of uh, Burnley players who challenged him committed early and they would just still win the ball, whereas I felt like he could have easily been able to just just shift it and go past. But he didn't really seem to be sharp in his take-ons. He was tenacious off the ball, yeah, and that's great. But, I mean, I thought I thought he would probably start tonight as well and... I thought, okay, you're yeah, again against favourable opposition, playing in your preferred position, and yeah, he didn't impress. And if you didn't impress against this team, then it's it's not looking good for you going into this new year at all. Um, I don't really see where he can help the team now, and it's a shame. I actually had fairly high hopes for him tonight, and. Um, Fairly high hopes for Skip as well, actually. I thought maybe the Norwich version of Skip would turn up. Um, played as an eight tonight. And um, ironically, one minute after Hoybier comes on for him, we, we score our goal. So, um, <laughs> obviously, this is going to be a question, I guess, for future reference games. But what would your first, um, well, ideal choice midfielder be? during the African Cup of Nations and Asia Cup games out of Skip and Foybia, because obviously Ben Tanker is the captain now and he's the shoe-in. Who partners him? I'd say yes, it is tricky, um, but I'd say maybe maybe Hoibier. 
brains me to say that, but um, maybe put Hoybia <laughs> in there, Geo. And I don't know, I'm tempted to drop Kulu back in there for the time being. Um, I'm not sure. Obviously, yeah, Ben 10. Uh, nah, Ben 10, Geo, and Hoybia, I think for now. I think that's probably the best combination we we have you know, in our this our disposal right now, to be honest. But I don't want to see Skip anywhere near this team ever again. I want ballers in our in our midfield. I want actual technical footballers. I don't want athletes. And I want mm. someone that can. I don't want to, you know another Lee Catamole on the side. I want players that can actually ball. Players that can actually utilize the ball in itself. And the skip experiment. I'm sorry, guys. NSO, I know you love him, a lot of you, but listen, it's got to end. It's done now. I'm sure you're seeing the light. I'm sure tonight <laughs> was big, big evidence of that. So I'm happy that that's happened, to be honest. It's obviously our next league game is United as well. And, oh, mate, like, if anyone's going to actually play midfield, like, you, you don't actually have to be that good to be better than United's midfield either. Um, but it doesn't seem like we're blessed with options at the moment, apart from Ben Zanker. Um, yeah, Skip, there's an eight. I don't want to see that again. He's just not an eight. I'd be... <laughs> I would have been tempted to tinker it slightly if I was Ange and just move Skip to the six and Ben Zanker slightly further forward. But can you trust that in build-up? It's, it's, it's a dicey one. <laughs> it's really dicey. Um yeah. Hoiberg, when he came on, like he did against Bournemouth as well, came on, made a difference. It's funny to me because he does calm it down, but it seems to be like more out of fear to me than anything else. He'll play it safe to slow the game down. You see him in build-up. For me, like when I watch him, he barely ever scans. Um, he'd done it again tonight, was doing it against Bournemouth. And yeah, it's it somehow worked out because he, he has had a good effect in both cameos in which he's come on for. Um, yeah, I'd probably agree with you as well, Jack. Like, if it had to be someone to play eight, I mean, Ben Tanker's clearly the best six option we have. Yeah, it might even have and, to be Hoyberg for United. Scary. Yeah, and he's not he's not a six either, Ben Ten. That's that's the thing. He's not. Yeah, he's he's not he's a true six. six. Yeah, and I I almost feel as well that like by him playing as six we're protecting him a little bit and um, we're not letting um, him go full, 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 excuse me, we're not letting him go full tilt, which I think is a good thing. I think um, he has to be slowly built back into his game um, just to be able to get on the ball, to, to be able to feel the hard minutes and the running and just to build up his fitness. Um, and the job of our eight is predominantly to, whilst it is predominantly an attack to assist Poro, and Kulu on that right-hand side, there's a lot of off-the-ball work that you need to get through. There's a lot of dirty dog work that you have to get through that Saar is very, very good at doing. And I wouldn't really want to put him in the position where, you know, he could probably gas out after 50, 60, 65 minutes only for us to put on skip anyway. I would actually <laughs> rather protect him and keep him at six because at least he'll be helpful in first phase. Um, he's press resistant. Mm. He's actually a very good passer of the ball. And not only is he a very good mm. passer, but he's extremely instinctive. He makes a lot of the, the passes that he needs to make with minimal touches or sometimes first time first time passes, which opens up a lot of the game. And by playing Skip, by playing Hoiberg there, 
especially in the way that we've been seeing Basuma play there and other players play there. I actually really prefer the way that we've kind of maybe modified or edited his game in order to play that role quite well. And I think it suits him, actually. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, yeah, we'll quickly, we'll, we'll summarise the Burnley game. Now, obviously, Poro scored an absolute worldie. It was um, an incredible shot to the point with uh, James Trafford, who is a decent keeper, just didn't move, just dipped at the right time. Straight in the top corner from how far out was it? It was like 30, 35 yards. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It looked even further than that, even on the, um, on first viewing. And um, we managed to see out the game. We had a few cameos come on. Um, yeah, tell us, what did you make of uh, Donnelly and Scarlett finally getting a little bit more minutes than um, just the injury time? Yeah, really positive. I mean, um... Donnelly, you know, he's been, it looks like he's been in and around the first team uh, a little while now, a few weeks. Oh, sorry, I forgot Young came on as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, Donnelly's been in, in, and, in, and, around the first, in <laughs> and around the first team for a little bit now. So actually, like, I've always been a very big advocate for having young players in and around the first team. I think it's not only just an experience thing, but it's also for them to get a feel of what it's like to be in and around the first team, to train with the first team, to be on the first team coach. And even though he's getting some minutes and minutes are maybe increasing a little bit, this is all a big experience for him in terms of uh, promoting himself to the first team. Um, you know, I'm actually very happy to have Scarlett back. Um, I know the way that the loan didn't really work out for him at Ipswich, but actually tonight, I honestly feel that he was he looked more he looked more threatening than the Charleston, which I'm not sure if it says more about the Charleston or uh, more of, more about Scarlett at this point. I don't know. But, um, I'm just happy to have another striking option back uh, as someone who we can give some minutes in place of the least. And it's interesting. He does, to me, he looks a bit bigger, like physique-wise, he looks a bit stronger. Um, and I don't know why. I, I just, the way he looked tonight, looked like he's got like the bit between his teeth. He's got like maybe something to prove, which I think coming into this latter part of the season mm. is good. And obviously, uh, Ryan Suspect came on. I mean, I don't really have anything to say on him. Um, because it's been 11 months since he started the game for us. And I still don't know why he's here. So hopefully we can get him gone soon. Yeah, do you know what? I, with the Ryan Sessignon thing, I agree. I fully agree. That guy should have gone a long time ago. But I do feel there were some positive... There was a bit of positive positional play when he did come on. Um, it wasn't... Obviously, it was, there wasn't. there's not much of a sample size in terms of the match, but... There were moments, yeah, you know, obviously the chance he had as well when he cut in, but I do feel when the game opened up, it did suit him, and it was slightly reminiscent of his sort of was it the seventeen eighteen season at Fulham where he was playing more as a sort of wide forward. Yeah. Um, I think he got was it was it twenty GA or something like that. Let me check. Um, something like that. It was close to yeah. Twenty five. Was... Yeah. It was a really good stats performance. It was a good, season. it was a good season for him, and I think that suits him. Um, whether that get you get that gets utilized this season, um, I'm not sure. But we are struggling in that wide department. And I think what you said about toothless players. I mean, Sessignon has been one of those, but I don't think there's any harm in trying get for one league game um, at some point. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Um, but I mean, it would be good 
to have some suitable backup for uh, Udogi in the sense that I feel this season, outside of suspensions and small injuries, we've absolutely flogged the hell out of Pora and Udogi. And it would be nice to give them some actual rest or respite as we get into the latter part of the season. I mean, we're lucky that we're coming into like a nice period where January only requires two games, one game in nine days, or eight days, another game after that in, in like 16, 17 days. So I think it's actually really important that as we get into this sort of tight end of the season, the important part of the season, after this middle point has now elapsed, that we have sufficient squad depth um, to be able to rest players who maybe haven't had much rest. Sometimes when I look at Poro and Udogi, they do look a bit, after like 70, 75 minutes, they do look a bit dead on their feet. Um, so having Cess back is good because we don't have to worry about a left-back um, providing sufficient support. Obviously, people like Van der Ven, Romero, Touchwood coming back, then it means that Emerson can then provide as a backup, as backup support for a Poro on the right. But even Emerson, I thought today, from a defensive point of view and actually on the ball, I thought he was really positive. I mean, like, we always... Yeah. There's such a wide discourse on Emerson, on, on Emerson, but he really is, like, a very competent defender. He does the simple stuff really, really well. And I think as well, he gets a lot... He doesn't get much credit for what he can do on the ball, but he's very comfortable with the ball at his feet. Um, it's just... We just can't get to seeing all those things all in as one, you know. And I suppose Porro has been very, very important for us this season. But, like, I think against uh, Bournemouth, I thought he played quite well. And I think tonight he played really well, um, considering the number of chances that uh, we could have given away. But I thought he was very good back there. So we're on the subject of centre-backs now, are we? Because I've just been in the group tab to see what Andrew said in his press conference. Um <laughs> yeah, apparently. I mean, I'd say Ben Davis and Emerson Royal have been kind of up to now, like, our heroes of the season so far. Yeah. Like, okay, Emerson Royal wasn't great against Brighton, nor was Ben Davis. But generally, mm -hmm. overall, I think they've performed way above my expectation. Um, it sounds like Ben Davis may have a added uh, added to another hamstring injury at Spurs. Um, Jack, did you want to go over, or I guess, what's just been said? <laughs> yeah, so basically, I think Ange Postacoglu following uh, Ben Davis's hamstring injury, probably be about a month or so, um, was asked, can you afford to lose Eric Dyer this month if Ben Davis is now injured? And he responded with yes. So that goes to show... Just uh, one word is yes. Just a simple one word, yes. Now that could be mad. That could be either head loss or our interpretation most likely is that he does not rate this guy. This uh blockheaded uh, liability that we've had for the last however many years now. Um but yeah, what you know, for those that are listening, um and not watching Tops was waving a little goodbye um, with his hand, and I strongly agree with that. He can get the hell out of here, never come back, and come come out of the season trophyless with Bayern as well. So, yeah. It's peak. Um, is he coming into his testimonial year now as well? 
That's uh, that's crazy. Uh, if Paul he gets Dyer, a testimonial, if he get if he gets a testimonial, I <laughs> no, he won't. <laughs> um, is, is, is is it Dyer or is it Davies that's coming in to tell a testimonial? Yeah? Both, both, I think. Is it both? Um, because they yeah, came in, they, they came in the same season, the same summer. Yeah, yeah, I think they might be. You know, they might be. Yeah, ben Davis is playing his way into deserving it, really and truly. Uh, yeah. Dyer looks like he's going to join his mate at Bayern. Um, I mean, fair play. That's a pretty good move. Yeah. I mean, considering he may not even get in a lot of championship sides at, at the moment, let alone Prem sides. Oh, just um, saying on another group chat, by the way, sorry. Um, I reckon Eric Dyer is a computer hacker because the amount of news this guy must have on everyone. How is he getting this move? How is he? What has, what has he got on too cool? I don't know some of these managers they just they just don't have like they can be fantastic tacticians excellent man managers but their talent ID is just not there and that's, and, and that's absolutely okay I mean to be honest with you we've been screaming about trying to get rid of this guy before the summer in the summer in January and to be honest with you if he wants to go and be with his, with his old mate H, let him. Um, I mean, at, at this point, he's down the pecking order behind Phillips, behind Emerson, behind Dorrington, it seems. So, and, and if he can get himself some Champions League football and potentially a way back into England um, for the summer, the summer tournament in Germany, sure, be my guest. But um, I think Ange's reaction is uh, gives us more than enough than we need to know about um where he is at with Eric Dyer. Oh, just a straight one answer, yes, though. Uh, that is, <laughs> that's got to be a burner. <laughs> what can you do, though? What can you do? Did he come on against Bournemouth, though, Dyer? Yeah, he did, I think. He yeah. did. Yeah, those were his last minutes. He's come, come on a few times, probably did. I'm pretty sure we conceded like two minutes after he came up as well. Not say he wasn't actually at fault, by the way, but it was just a little bit ironic. Um, going into the Bournemouth game, before we go back over um, the transfer window business and stuff, um, Ben Tanker got announced as being back in the team literally on the day and then got put in the starting lineup, apparently. Um, Tops, what were your thoughts going into that game initially and then how that first half ended up playing out? Um, I felt this season, um, for the first time in a long time, that we can beat anyone at home. Um, I feel that our, our starts are so frenetic. They're so intense, heavy. Um, the chances that we create, the amount of pressure that we sustain in the final third, the amount of, uh, the amount of passes we, we actually made in the final third, I felt quietly confident that any team that we've played this season, we could have the beating of them. And to be honest with you, most first halves have given me no reason to feel other, otherwise. I still feel, I felt that way against Liverpool. I felt that way against Chelsea before the madness ensued. I felt that way in the losses against Villa and the loss against West Ham. And I felt this way against uh, Bournemouth. I know they were on a six-game unbeaten run. They were they were on the back of a lot of really positive results at home. You know, recent win away at United. But to me, I still felt that like at home we have been quite a bit of a force. Um, I don't think teams really like coming there. Although 
they do seem to get, you know, the odd chance here and there with Solanke in the form. Um, I felt that the first half was positive enough, pos- positive enough um, for us to take the lead. And I did feel that it was going to be our day. Um, I do feel after the first 25 minutes, something changed. Um, we almost mm. were dwelling on, on our laurels. Uh, Bournemouth really pressed us really, really well. I felt like we were definitely overrunning midfield. Um, I think um, they, the two centre-backs, they ate up with Charleston, didn't, didn't give them anything back there. And um, Solanke was able to get in really good positions whilst their wingers were able to get in really good areas, especially in the transition. Um, and, you know, they just didn't take their chances, to be honest with you. Um, so I think the first half was almost a half of two halves. First 25, I think, were very positive from us, but the second uh, 20 weren't really good. Um, it was a bit frustrating, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, we did start off like we usually do, very fast, fast out of traps, and then um, Papsar obviously driving forward, scoring his goal, which is really, really good. Um something he'd been needing to improve on for a minute as well, because he does tend to take quite a few shots from range. But that one nicely went into the bottom corner and then he had to come off on, say, around the 30th minute, which I think you're alluding to is when the tide did swing. I did feel like they created a lot of openings, but nothing clear cut in the way of chances. Like I can't think back to a time where they should have scored. Like, you know, you had those Dan Juma chances against us in that last home game. Like, he should have had a hat-trick. I I was actually quite pleased with how much we limited and informed Solanke, considering, again, our centre-backs are full-backs. And I thought, I thought Solanke would... Um... Let's talk about bird dogs. Bird dogs make you look good. They're stretched khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They fit better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So how do you get them? You go to birddogs.com forward slash pool and enter promo code pool for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com forward slash pool for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Absolutely dominate them both. If that's a pause, then so be it. But we got onto the second half and it um, nicely settled down. Like we had to ease into the first 10 minutes of the first half and then... Um, yeah, and she made a nice little tactical switch. Um, ben Tanker's return lasted 58 minutes. It was a nice return, but then obviously Hoybier came on. Again, somehow calmed the game down, even though he didn't scan really ever. And um, yeah, he actually made a difference. Jack, like, how did you kind of see that game planning out like were you confident going into that second half in the first place and yeah how do you think we did I thought we'd start off that second half with the same or similar level of intensity I think um, that's the kind of team we are when we have the energy we will utilise that as much as we can um, in the middle of the field but obviously the problem is you know incisiveness up front as we've talked about before and I think if we Again, if we had the 
ability in that final third to be be more decisive and finish those chances. We can control our intensity throughout the game and manage it a lot more. But I think we're having to overwork and force that goal as early on as possible because we don't have that quality um, right now. And just trying to overcompensate for that. And I think, again, score those goals. You don't have to play with that, you know, a mile a minute. Um until you start getting a bit leggy. So that's something, obviously, we definitely are good at, but we also need to improve on as well um, at managing. So, yeah, that's that's one thing. I think defensively, again, Bournemouth, if they had a bit more clinical of a clinical edge, you know, a bit slightly better weight of pass as well in that final third, they could have had a higher quality of chances. Um, they definitely were good in, you know, for a good 10, 15 minutes in that, or t- 20, 25 minutes in that first half and good 15, 20 minutes in the second half. So they had a good chunk of the game where they were the dominant side and um, we sort of struggled to get out uh, in some way or another. So I I know you didn't feel like we were going to concede, but, you know, Bournemouth, if they had that, in that slight inch of quality, they could have got in a few times, a few more times, had a, you know, had a few more higher quality chances. Um, and that's something that we have to look, watch out for against United uh, because they have better forwards. They have better, you know, much more experienced players in that department. So as much as we, as much as they have awful ones as well, um, particularly Anthony. Um, so we've got to really make sure we don't um, suffer from a defensive point of view. And yeah, going forward again, the forwards are who they are. We're just gonna we're just gonna have to live with being very very um, tame up front, and then hope for the best. I mean, yeah, maybe uh, Richarlison can rise it. At o- is it OT? <laughs> yeah, it's OT. Yeah, it is OT. It's funny you say about like the Man United's quality of wingers. It, it's just it's gonna be one of those games where we might just not turn up. But you look at uh, Bournemouth's forwards. Apart from Rashford, I think all of their forwards are clear of United. I think like Tavernier, Sinistera, Cliver, Semenyo, they're all kind of they're better than United's wingers. I mean, we've seen that um that TikTok which um done the rounds on Twitter as well. It's just like what wingers would get into this team or this team or this team? And it was Anthony and Garnacho and he was like this guy doing the TikTok would go down to the championship, like, oh, this guy doesn't even get in over Mavidi and the man at Leicester, and then you got Sunderland <laughs> who have Jack Clark. Big up Jack Clark, <laughs> and uh, those guys. It's like doesn't get in there either. So yeah, 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 yeah. they've got Rashford, who's clear of all of those. Uh, looks like Sancho's leaving, and then you got Garnacho, who yeah, could be a good goal threat, and uh, Anthony, yeah. who is actually just useless. Yeah, but he, he could probably end up yeah. scoring against us. He is he is one player, one Brazilian as well. That I can say it's worse than Richardson. I can confidently say that as well. It, and mm-hmm. he is a uh, Brazilian player who um, has less goal involvements than Emerson in the whole of 2023. So. <laughs> he does. I saw that compilation as well. Emerson's goals versus Anthony's goals. It is pretty impressive <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of uh, Richardson as well, Casola got a nice goal against Bournemouth. Assisted, no. assisted well as well. You could say. Like, good for him. Good for him. Good so, for us. It's, it's, it's so funny, really, because... Good finish of good cross. With, with, with Richarlison, it's like, oh, uh, he's not doing too great. 
the injury comes, then some of the goals comes and the performance comes. But it's just like, this is who he is. And it's like, anybody who knows anything about football would have been able to tell you this, that this is who he is. He's not going to get any better. He's not going to improve. He's not going to change suddenly. And I don't think people should see the goals as being a reason to believe that he's going to get any better. He is not going to get any better. This is who he is. And I think as if we start to accept that this is the player who we have and this is the player that won't improve, people will understand that there is actually a bigger need for improvements and reinforcements in the attack. If he is the person who's supposed to be leading this attack beyond Son, we are in deep doo-doo. Like, that's the only way to describe it. We are in some deep, deep trouble. We are. I can't seem to understand why people can't see this beyond the goals. I, I can't seem to understand. Against a team like Burnley, low block, Charlie Taylors and whoever they the hell they had back there tonight. And he still made everything look so difficult. He has, like, his concentration is so low. His his killer instinct in front of goal, in, in front of goal is, is, like, non-existent. And people still think that this guy is going gonna, is gonna to suddenly turn a corner and be the man to lead us to the promised land. No, he's not. Get that out of your brains. No, he is not. He is not the one that's going to do it for us. People need to start getting their heads around this. And until they do, we're just going to keep having the same discussion. The I just want to be... The one thing, I was more kind of giving prop to Brennan Johnson for the involvement in that goal, which is what I was angling towards um, before that. For me and Richarlison, uh... I have made a case for him being useful, and he has been useful. If he's learning Arabic at the same time, then so be it. But <laughs> honestly, I thought... Our forward line in general, albeit with obviously Sun included, I thought it looked very sharp against Bournemouth as a unit. Did that not have anything for you going forward? Was the no. February and onwards? No. no, 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 it doesn't. I'm going to say it very, very, very plainly. No, it doesn't. Um, I just, I, I, I can't put my finger on it, Owen. And I know we went back and forth in the NSO group about this. I think our attackers are toothless. I'm sorry. I think they are toothless. There is an inequality about each and every one of them that doesn't give me a massive amount of confidence that we can be effective and incisive and decisive when it actually matters. And to be honest with you, I think tonight's game against Burnley was just a, was just a snapshot. Why is it that we looked most threatening from our inverted fullbacks? Our attackers... Yeah, that- who are playing in positions that they know how to play, but don't look like they know how to play. I mean, come on, against this sort of level of opposition, this should be a no-brainer. But I'm having, looking at this team, looking at these group of attackers and thinking, I don't see anything in Hill. I see very no. little of Richarlison. I am not moved by Johnson. If Son isn't being given a chance on a plate, is he doing much more? If Kulu is not able to provide a decent assist in an inverted fashion on the right, will he give us any sort of output? Output's not even his thing. But like games like tonight, he just wasn't there. And I just think as a whole, the attacking unit, like I, I just, 
I've said this a number of times, like, and I don't feel like what I'm saying is border dash because I feel like a lot of the guys in the group have said it as well. But Ange has alluded to our attack not performing at the level it needs to at all. There's been lots of games where chances have been created and we haven't finished teams off. And I feel like as it gets towards the decisive part of the season, the top end of the of the season, we're going to need some of these games to be put away. And now as we lose our top attacker, our most incisive attacker, our most over XG attacker, I am worried that these attacking flaws are going to be rearing their ugly heads in the next few games. I'm worried. I'm I'm flat mm-hmm. out worried. Oh, they they definitely are. And we know that Kulu's the only forward slash wide player that we know has technical security, good on the ball, balls tight to his feet. Johnson is way more, almost a polar opposite. He's way more of an off-the-ball runner, uh, works on instinct, works on first-time balls, first-time passes, first-time crosses. The moment he has to think, I think that's a bit, a bit more problematic for us. And I think we saw early on in the game, Destiny was... Destiny's underlaps were really helping us. They were, giving, they were pushing us forward a lot. And again, that's when we got the ball early to Johnson, who fed it first time early, quick, decisive. Um, but the moment he has to think, you know, he's not, if, if the overlap it, or the underlap isn't on, he doesn't have an, op- he doesn't have an alternate option or an alternative option. He's not good enough on the ball to beat a man or two and then pick out someone inside, you know, in the middle, find someone that he's got a bit of space that can either strike it from the edge of the box or play that quick one-two, we'll play a quick triangle with. He doesn't have that IQ, I'd say, um, which, is, which is an issue. And I think he's very good with the ball, off, off the ball, with a bit of space, with a bit of grass ahead of him. It, it is, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough because I think render, it renders our... I guess it renders our wing backs or full backs um, a bit more irrelevant in a sense. Um, I don't think, yeah, I just think Destiny needs someone a bit, more, you know, someone that's going to be able to pick him out a lot more. Yeah, I think um, it just goes to when we were going back and forth on Johnson because I feel like people were judging him too harshly too early. My, me personally, I'm reserving most of my judgment on Johnson for probably next season, I know we paid 45, 50 million for him. Homegrown tax and all that. But I think his type of profile, while he's still obviously developing, is the type of profile of uh, forward slash winger that most teams need. Mm-hmm. And one thing I feel like he definitely needs to brush up on, like his dribbling can look sharp at times, but you only really see it when he's on the left. But his shooting definitely needs to improve. Like, there was a couple of times, even tonight, um, at the time of recording against Burnley, he had a couple of really good like chances. There was one cross from Porro, which was insane. Went straight to the back post. He tried to take it first time on his left foot, and it looked like he was caught in two minds where he wanted to take it down or shoot first time. There was another half volley chance. I think Jack mentioned he's out. He's shooting from like outside the box. So even if you're shooting from around like I don't know, say like ten to twelve yards out, like in and around the penalty mm-hmm. spot type range, mm-hmm. I don't feel like it looks that deadly. Although I do feel like he's got the characteristics as a person and a player to um, keep trying. 
with Absolutely. Ange to keep on, not just keep trying. That 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 sounded a little bit. Um, Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, Darwin yeah. Nunes. No, I see. I see. What you did there. How many shots we can take without him? <laughs> yeah, he can keep trying. He can keep trying. He can keep I think trying. he. Right. I think he can drastically improve by this time next season. Okay. To be useful, I, it's not even to say he has like a stupidly high ceiling, but yeah, I think I think he he'll be really useful for us as long as it's obviously under range. And I will add that caveat: like if we were to he, hire someone like Conte again, then it's in the bin. He, he can he can he can be useful if we are struggling for if we're struggling in the game. And yes. we've got the right profile of players to fit Angie's system, and it just happens to not work in a match because, for whatever reason, the type of team we're playing against is a low block potentially as well. Um, and he does give us a different option potentially off the bench, and mm-hmm. I think that is useful. I just feel like when you pay that much money for a forward, and he's your only forward signing um, of the summer, yeah. It, is massively underwhelming and a bit a bit myopic. It's not very forward thinking. Um, um, uh, so, it's a difficult. Yeah, one. It's, yeah. it's, it's a it's a difficult one because he's a player who I think is young. I mean, he's very yeah. It's you know some might call me harsh for commenting the way I do about him, but in you know a time where we obviously want to pad up the squad to pay what we've paid and to have the injuries and suspensions that we've had, it makes it very difficult for me to look at his numbers and look at his general play and think what we've paid is worth it. I mean, we literally wasted 60 million on Richarlison and um, we've now topped that up with another 47 and a half um, on a player who isn't, who isn't developed. So yeah, we can probably hold back on the judgment, yeah. but I just need to see a little bit more. Um, he needs to be a yeah. bit more decisive in his judgments, and I, like, I effectively think he's a. I think he's a player who is an impact player. Um, like you said, someone like this as a starter doesn't need to be given time to think. He needs to be instinctive. He needs to be on the end of things. He needs to be stretching the game in transition, and generally, teams are able to do that when other players they're playing against are tired. And he's the kind of player who, who, who has the ability to do that. I just think in games where he's starting, where he's asked to be involved in lots of different phases of play, you really start to see the qualities of his game that aren't particularly positive um, with, his, with his, uh, his, his actual dribbling, with his uh, back to goal, with his interchange with players, with his decision-making and his timing of his run sometimes. You're asking quite a lot of him. However, you put him on in the second half against a team that's tired, you say, brother, Hit, hit yourself then down that line. The minute you get that ball, you cut that that ball back in onto the edge, or you cut that ball onto the front near post. He can probably do that because it probably comes automatically. Mm. So I just feel that at the moment we're asking him to do a lot that I don't think he's particularly capable of doing. But <laughs> this is where we're at. Um, this is where we're at. The injury suspensions have led us to this point, and the play is going away as well. So, and we'll just have to accept this is it for now. It almost it almost suits uh, Conte's transition ball a bit more than Ange ball, if I'm being honest yeah. with you. I would say so. I would say so. Um, and if you look um, historically at the kind of attackers that Ange uses, they are extremely dynamic, 1v1 profiles with um, the kind of attacking sense that almost feels fluid. It feels like you're doing things like 
like their second nature, especially in the final mm. third. And I just feel that that's what we're missing at the moment. Like our attack, we have the numbers, but it's not fluid. Everything that we're doing feels clunky. It feels like it's being built up. It's being, it's being developed. It's being developed, and mm. then we're just finishing off what we can. I feel like in the past, when you look at his teams, they've been extremely fluid in attack with different types of profiles affecting different phases of their attack. We just don't have that at the moment. Fair. Uh, there's been a question asked from a listener um, about a certain player playing in one of those positions. Question asked from the Kitchen King 4. Shout out to him. Is Kulisevsky good enough? Was really poor again today. Was in a lot of good positions, but didn't create. Where does his future lie? I've been critical of him in the past year. Um, since he's come back from that injury, was it in December or January last year? Um, it was around in, that time. It was, I, it was in December. Yeah. Yeah, I felt he's been pretty poor for a very long time. Um, obviously, the team has been underperforming, so you've got to put, um, you know, think about that um, as to why he might have been underperforming, but. You know, despite a lot of players really turning up this season, there were performances earlier on where Kulu hasn't has still been underwhelming. He's, you know, he's he got into good positions, got some, you know, got some goal involvements, creates, you know, he does get, you know, his chance creation is it's the highest in the league, I believe, actually. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. his overall play, which he did have when he first joined us, that seemed to have disappeared. I think. You know, some of us debating that whether that's instruction um, or, you know, but I, th- I feel like his delivery on the ball hasn't been the same. It's not as efficient um, as it was when he first joined. I feel every decision that he made when he first joined it, it was spot on almost. He had like almost a ninety percent success rate um, just from a sort of eye test point of view, um, and I feel that definitely hit the. Uh, slowed down a lot his take-ons as well his ability whether that again whether that's instructed or whether that's changed because his, he lacked confidence in it um or i know his post-injury he, he his ability to take on wasn't the same he refused to do it at times there were times when he you felt as though he was thinking about it a second or two more um so just don't know why why things <sighs> have changed since that injury. Um, but you can, we can always speculate. But, yeah, there are too many games this season and well, I feel as though he's ghosted in and out. And I think he has been good overall. In that final third, he's definitely our best wide forward player by far. He's technically secure. He's got so many good attributes that he has used at times. I just feel he can do more because we've seen more from him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, number of points you made there. I feel, firstly, I think it's a bit... I think he's definitely playing a different role to what he did under Conte. I feel like um, under Conte, he was asked to be more of a true, in my opinion, a true winger, um, whereby, although he was playing in that sort of... The, that two role behind the final striker, he did a lot more work, in my opinion, um, directly on the flanks. Um, did a lot of up and down running. Um, whereas his role under Ange, I think, is actually super important. Um, he is predominantly our primary forward. Um, 
we're, if we're talking about successful dribbles and carries, progressive passes into the into the box, progressive passes into the final third, chances created, um, sustaining pressure in the final third. He has been our most integral and important attacker. And the question that people ask is, is he good? I think his, sometimes I don't like to really answer this question because nowadays football is so bent, it's so hell-bent on GNA and output. And sometimes it's very, it's actually very important to just see the effect that he has on other players in order mm. for them to play the way that they play. He already is building a really good relationship with Poro and, and Saar on that right side. Not only have they built a good relationship, but we now do funnel a large majority of our, of our attacks. And yeah, absolutely. From an output perspective, when you watch him play, you do actually want to see a lot more from his game. You do want to see him be a bit more dynamic. You don't want to see him constantly cut in. I actually want to see him shoot more. And there's lots of his game, I think, even at the young age of 23, I think, he still can improve. But if we're talking about his importance to us and whether he's good or not, of course he's good. Like, I absolutely believe that he is one of the reasons, if not the main reasons, that we've been playing. Or actually, we've been attacking the way that we've been attacking this season. If I'm talking about players of importance, I think Madison's been our most important player. But if I'm talking about players who have been absolutely integral to our attack and the way that we've built our attack, he is number one. Um, and I think people should maybe look at it from a bigger sort of picture and look, OK, how are we creating chances? How is our attack being built? Where are we finding the most amount of areas? How are we getting the best out of players like Poro and, and Saar? And all of, it, all of it, it all points back to, to Kulusevsky. Yeah, and it's just going to be a case of where he fits in the team once Madison does come back to full fitness as well, because he seemed to flourish in the middle in Madison's position. Maybe we could try something different. Obviously, once we enter the opposition half in the final phase, where by maybe Kulizewski and Poro could switch in a way where obviously Poro ends up being more of like the wide player, Kulizewski gets the tuck in. Um, that seems to reap dividends whenever it does kind of click and does seem to happen. Um, saw it a few times tonight, even when Poro whipped in that cross, sorry, against Liverpool when we got that last-minute winner. Um, against Wolves, when Brennan Johnson scored, there was a nice bit of link-up there where Poro was further wide with Kulzewski tucked in. Like There is promising signs there. Maybe Saar could be the one to overlap when he's back as the right eight. It's... Um, yeah, I think it's just getting the blend right, but I, I just don't mm. see Kulizewski being that wide winger. He's just, he's not, I, I just don't yeah. think he's that type of profile. I think he can do it to a, a decent level, but I don't think that maximises him. He's, he's, it's so similar to the Moussa Dembele situation in that he started off as a, as a left winger um, at RZ. Um and it's pretty competent at it. Signed for Fulham, played pretty much as a as a wide forward again, dropped into midfield in almost that number ten position um, when he was at Fulham, and then when he joined us, just couldn't find a position for him for for a few years. And I think there's so many traits that they both share. I think the the press resistance is one thing. I think they're both strong. They're both good. Ten, you know so technically secure the ball is so tight to their feet um and the, the way they dribble as well just the body shape in itself it's very very similar um i think 
Kulu's probably you can argue is he has even you know a wider array of skills. He can strike a ball, he can cross a ball. He's got you know he's got better ability in that final third than Bushi Dembele did. Um, and I think if we can, I don't know if if he takes that same journey, you know, he could be a sensational player. Um, he just needs to find a role that fully suits him. Like Owen saying, you know, that wide forward role probably isn't his and it probably won't be something that he'll, he'll nail down because he hasn't got all the attributes of a wide player. Um, although we've, we have seen that before when Conte first joined, he worked really well and effectively, I just don't think he's quick enough, um, which is the issue. Yeah, he's not that 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 type of profile. I agree. Um, just to end the pod now, we've got a little bit of um, other transfer news in, so in the way of loanees returning to Spurs. That Regulon um, ended up coming back to Spurs yesterday. So yeah, a lot of people have been worried about the fullback issue for depth-wise, and then all of a sudden we end up having two back in the squad. So we've got Regulon who's come back, and now Spence has come back as well. Um, but there's quite a lot of controversy around the whole Spence thing already. So there's been managers in the past, say Neil Warnock, that have um, questioned his attitude. Uh, Daniel Farker said something similar, um, went along the lines of he just, we need to uh, move on with a certain profile of player. Um, I think someone on Twitter replied to one of our posts to say, okay, he's done similar with Gnonto, but I think Gnonto's had 20 appearances in the championship and he's become a starter now by the looks of it as of uh, about a month ago. Um, and it's it's an unfortunate coincidence that they both happen to be a certain type of player. And um, <laughs> yeah, there was, I think it was uh, Sammy Mockbell who reported that Tottenham have reservations about his attitude also. So it's it's a weird one because you see him when he was at Nottingham Forest where Steve Cooper didn't have any issues with him and he ends up managing a pretty big and competitive squad even in the championship and um, I just think a lot of this is down to our poor planning in general having signed him without a plan to include him in first team football and then yeah we've essentially frozen him out when he could have just gone to Nottingham Forest and trailblazed it for their getting regular prem football uh i don't know um tops what are you making of this whole spence situation because i i'm struggling to read between the lines um, i you know first of all i have to just admit i was one who really called for for him under conte i uh really felt that we needed something different um and i and i really did think that there was a player there. And to be honest with you, I don't think I had any, any reason to not believe that was the case. Mm. Um, however, you know, in the background, there was always uh, the, inf- the information that was being put out about his attitude, whether he was a very good trainer, um, whether he was a super professional, we're not really sure. Um, and to be honest with you, I kind of had the blinkers on a little bit when he came back to preseason this year because I was worried well, I, I was positive thinking that everybody's going to be given a fresh slate. And from the way Postagoglu talked and from the way that we were playing initially from the beginning, from the offset, it kind of made me feel that like we would give this guy a chance and there would be no reason for us to not give him a chance um, if he's given the opportunity. And 
from you know half a season now has elapsed, and I feel that the way that that Andrew's spoken, the way that Andrew's um, carried himself, I don't think we would have any reason to believe that any decision that he's taken wouldn't be without um, any sort of level of due 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 diligence. And it almost feels vindicated now that lots of these different reports are coming out about him, which is frustrating because I know he under, I know he had a lot of injury um, to start with, and um, he's done only recently come back into the team. But it's you know it's one thing to be called back to be called back by your club. It's another thing to have your loan um, cut early and you being sent back to your parent club. Um, so I don't know. It almost feels like the um, the ticker is up with him. Um, it doesn't look like uh, he has much credit in the bank with anyone. Um, I'm I'm interested to see how it goes for him between now and the end of the season. Um, I think with these low knees returning, generally, because you can only play for two or three teams in a season. Um, if you weren't like uh, registered initially, so I only imagine we would probably try and uh, either try and find a loan for him immediately. Otherwise, mm. he's looking at he's looking at another six months rotting in the um, under twenty threes, which again for a player of his level is not good for his development. Yeah, it's a shame. Like I think initially when he joined Spurs as well, I did get quite a lot of uh, Kyle Walker vibes. But the comments um, made from Fark today, um, just to quote him, obviously it's important, the potential and quality of the player, but also professionalism, discipline, workload on and off the pitch, and also the soft skills are important. If he's positive and committed, good for the group and engaged with these topics. In the summer, we came here in order to create and to bring new values and to create a new culture within the club. And when we speak about a player, if he's on here on a permanent loan deal, we have expectations, and these expectations are in several topics important. Um, our demands are very, very high, and if we don't differ between loan players, permanent players, so we are pretty picky in this topic. Um, I read that word for word, even though it felt like there was a few um, grammar things there, but fuck, it's, um, it's obviously not English, isn't his first language, so yeah. um, won't nitpick there. It's um yeah it's it's a weird one to even break down because he's been injured for most of the season as well. I just yeah maybe he's not been given a fair crack of the whip. Who knows? It will be interesting to see what his next loan move is. Um, I I think he could even get a Premiership loan if a certain team were able to take a chance on him. Um, Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest. Um, yeah, Nuno, Nuno ball could be good for him. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think they've even lost a few. They've lost quite a few players. I think the most in the Premier League to the Afcon. Um, so it could be something. I think um, if Serge Aurier hasn't retired, he may have. He may have hasn't Montiel just been putting in a few good performances in that oh, position? To be fair, I feel like... he has. To be fair, actually, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and yeah. then you've got Williams, that little, um, that little yappy yappy yapper, there to back <laughs> him up. Um, maybe Man United. I feel like he's better than Wan-Bissaka going forward on the ball anyway. Um, you know, they need homegrown talent. Yeah. They learned regular, why not? Um, yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Hopefully we can f- actually find him a good well-researched move. Um, and regular as well. I, I don't know what's going to happen to him 
Do you reckon we'll utilise him? Anyone? No? Okay. Fine. Not by choice. Uh, <laughs> no. Ben Davis having so. just gotten injured. Bear in I, don't, I, I don't think so. Uh, you know, Probably we Seth. Yeah, the fact that Seth has been involved today is, is, is even more of an indictment. We're talking about a 27-year-old who, you know, started off at Madrid and has had three loans, uh, well, three loans in his time as a pro. Um, it doesn't feel like his, it just hasn't worked out. Um, it looked positive to start with, but for me, he just isn't the kind of player um, that would suit this style of play. And, and actually, that's not a bad thing. I think uh, a lot of Tottenham fans are also, um, they're wedded to this idea that some of these guys have to be given a chance. But actually, we have to look at this team with a fresh set of eyes. And actually, there are some players, even in the current group, that are just not suited to this style of play. Um, I think, personally, Regulon is one of those those guys. I think he's far too erratic. I don't think he's an amazing defender. Um, I still feel that like uh, there's such a sporadic nature to the, the ability and the quality of his, of his crosses and his defense and his passes in the final third. Um, and, and I'm a little bit concerned um, that he's had these number of loans, still hasn't managed to settle at one place um, with a starting position, considering his career started so positively with a Europa yeah. League win at, at Sevilla. And it's, it's injuries as well. And I think with our injury problems we all, that we already have, how long is he going to last, firstly? And secondly, I think his pace was a massive, massive attribute um, in transition, especially when under Jose. I think he's lost half a yard as a result of those injuries as well. And and again, what you said about immaturity, he's a 27-year-old with a seven-year-old footballing mind. He's he is so erratic <laughs> and immature when he's on the ball. And it, he, he just, yeah. It's such a frustrating player to watch because you know he can. We've seen him produce um, some decent level of quality when, especially when he's out wide, his ability to pick a pass, even deliver a ball, left foot, right foot. He just he doesn't do any of that, um, and he hasn't done any of that for a long, long time. And you can't if you lose it for that long, you tend to not get it back. You feel. Yeah, it's it'll be another one which will be interesting to see. I felt like he put in a few good performances for United. To be fair, they they saw his loan as a bit of a net positive, and yeah, he tried. Hopefully, we can find him at La Liga loan or move in uh, to some capacity. But guys, uh, thank you for joining us on um, that stream tonight. Thank you again to Papa Blanks and again in the comments. Um, we'll be back for more streams uh, every Thursday or Friday, potentially more Patreon content uh, by way of Top Scout uh, over this winter break. Um, and yeah, other other bits of content coming, not to worry. Uh, but as for now, we've been No Spurs Order. Thank you again to my co-hosts and we're out. Peace. Please sign Dragos on. <laughs> by the weekend <laughs> I beg desperately and die out on debut Dombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs Lucas Moura clips it oh great goal Stephen Bergwijn has a
Oh, yeah! Sports Social Podcast Network.